Welcome to Season 5 of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, the biggest sci-fi podcast in the galaxy. The adventure is just beginning here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, and we invite you to come aboard the Starship Tangent. We know you'll enjoy the conversation, the laughter, the banner back and forth, and most of all, friends who love hanging out to talk about all things science fiction. Set your phasers to fun. Here we go. Back in February, we featured a two-part episode here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast called The Big Star Trek Movie Ranking. In these two episodes, the four of us, Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, went through the tedious and gut-wrenching process of ranking our beloved Star Trek films, all 13 of them, into a list from best to worst. We moved backwards on our list and came up with a unified ranking for the sake of the show that we could call The Big Sci-Fi Podcast Star Trek Ranking. But we also made our own individual list. Three out of the four of us ranked the film we're going to be talking about today in our bottom two films for the franchise. More on that in a moment. But it's safe to say that Star Trek Nemesis was an overall disappointment to fans and not the way we would have ever wanted the next-gen reign of feature films to end. It left most of us feeling strange and unfulfilled. We wanted to like it. We really did. But it just lacked something. Even with a big budget, special effects, top-notch writer, it just wasn't the best. I recently rewatched this film to see if it was as bad as I remembered, and I challenged my co-host to rewatch it as well. And today we are going to discuss this last film featuring the TNG crew. I wanted to know if this film is better than we remember. Mm. Do we think differently about it now as opposed to how we felt when it came out back in way back in 2002 holy cow mm -hmm. today <laughs> we revisit star trek nemesis dun, with dun, all that dun. being said yes with all that being said this podcast is hosted by some pretty interesting people if you ask me who are involved in all sorts of things guys what have you been watching reading talking about lately what's going on oh the two things i am completely obsessed with are Foundation on Apple TV. Mm. Foundation is amazing. If you're going to pay Apple TV for one show, do it for Foundation. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm just this book that I just started reading. It's called or reading listening. And I do recommend mm. the audio version of this book. I don't know if there's a written. It might be an audio only on Audible. Kitty Cat Kill Sat. Okay. I want to say fans of John Scalzi, particularly fans of his latest work, Starter Villain, mm -hmm. who love the character Hera, like I did, will love Kitty Cat Kill Set. Mr. Steve, how about you, sir? Well, I finally finished book four of the Robot Galaxy series, and Yay. I am happy to have completed it because now i'm finally able to pick up the book that my daughter gave me over a year ago oh. project hail mary by andy okay. Weir. oh that's awesome you're gonna love that i swear yeah i mean because you know, like, elaine would always say why haven't you started reading the book i want to finish the series before i go into that so now that i'm done with the series <laughs> i'm enjoying it and i'll let you know adina what i think but mm -hmm. if it's anything like the you're martian yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. And Mr. Cross, Mr. Cross, Mr. <laughs> Chris, I like that. all the way uh, from Canada. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. And I've been bouncing back and forth between Voyager and Blue Bloods. It's just been constantly <laughs> the last like two weeks. 
I love me some blue bloods. I really oh, do. So good. And Doctor Omega like just showed up as a bad guy, and I'm like, what? Oh, what? Okay. Very cool. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. I have been uh, started listening to an audio book, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine: Enigma Tales by Una McCormack. Have you guys oh, heard of this mm-mm, one? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Heard of it, um, but haven't read it. It is it is about post Dominion War, specifically on Cardassia. So uh. it's talking about a reformed Cardassia and what they're going through, working through how they behaved during the Bajoran occupation, but also the Dominion War. Quite interesting, fascinating place uh, thing, and is focused around Garrick's character too. As so part then of you're going to have to read after that, or li- or and actually, I'm going to recommend listening to it, A Stitch in Time, Andrew Robinson's A Stitch yes, in Time, yeah. because again him narrating it you know it's a point of view of garrick and then him narrating is just fantastic he wrote right. it and then narrated amazing. it yeah and also yeah. i just watched the creator uh incredible science fiction film based around ai and it's just fantastic i highly recommend that and i don't i don't know if there's a book i have to research that if there was a book uh prior to this film or if the story was created for the film so Anyways, let's dive into the science fiction slash Star Trek film that is Nemesis. It's interesting to note that most of us had Nemesis pretty far down on our Trek film rankings. We did earlier this year. And the big, capital B-I-G, see what I did there, question I have for Mm -hmm. the end of our podcast is, did this film move up or perhaps down in your ranking, my fellow co-hosts? Well, we'll get to that at the end, though. You can guys I, ready? Can I uh, oh, quickly, uh, since we haven't done music, too low for zero, to quote Elton John. Okay. Uh, is, okay. I don't know. Can that happen with this particular film? Yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> so uh, put on your seatbelts, everybody. Buckle up. Uh, and let's start talking about Star Trek Nemesis. Just as a reminder... To our listening audience, guys, here's how we each rank Nemesis in our big two-part episode that you can go back and listen to entitled The Big Star Trek Movie Ranking. These two episodes aired on February 3rd and 10th, respectively, if you want to go back and know exactly where to look for those. Adina ranked the film at number nine, sandwiching it between number eight, Insurrection, and number 10, The Final Frontier. Chris ranked this film at number 12, sliding it between number 11, Resurrection, and number 13, Beyond. Steve ranked Nemesis at number 12, following suit with Chris, placing it between Insurrection and Beyond. For myself, I ranked this film dead last in my own ranking at number 13, just after Beyond, with Insurrection as my number 11. So I I just thought that was interesting, guys. Mm -hmm. The three of us had the same... Two film, two three films down at the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, and so Adina, I th- what did I say? You had had it ranked at number mm-hmm. nine, so yep, very interesting indeed. Mm-hmm. Question number one: As we jump into this, uh, I want to go back to two thousand two, if we can. That's a long time. I can't. That was when more I started, than two decades ago. I remember oh, it well. What a mm-hmm. that, that makes it sound even longer than I was I thinking know. it was. Yeah. What was your original feeling when this film first came out? Who do you want to start with? Oh, I'd let's start with Chris. Let's ahead, let Chris. Chris go first. I was hyped, and it was one of those things where I went to the movie, saw it. I don't think I liked it a whole lot, but I tried to make myself think I liked it. So I tried in my head, I tried to hype it up, 
And um, while we're all talking about this, Alex W., if you're listening to this, I apologize for taking you to see Nemesis <laughs> opening night because he came with me. It was a sleepover. <laughs> I'm like, if the hardcore, if the, like, if the biggest Star Trek fans don't like it, I don't think Star Wars fans will like it because Alex, he was a Star Wars guy. So I, okay. uh, I apologize profusely for that. Um, but yeah, and, I uh, definitely tried to make myself like it more than I did. Yeah. And that was one of the one of the TV spots I remember about this film. The commercials for this movie made yes. it look fantastic, which mm-hmm. is what it's supposed to do. That's what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. Um, but there were things said in them like this generation's Star Wars. Yeah. That was a line in the preview on TV mm-hmm. for this film. And so I think they were trying to pull in. They had a, a different outside of Trek director and Stuart Baird, who's Academy Award winner, I think, for editing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really tried to make this film the film that brought in new Star Trek fans that weren't already Star Trek fans. And so that's that to me is was one of the disappointing that, parts. I don't remember that commercial or that line, and, but yeah. when I think about 2002 and just what was happening in, in life, so of course I was going to see a Star Trek movie in the theater. There's no question right. about it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't watching Enterprise. Interesting, and that said, okay. But that said more to 2002 was a very weird and crazy year in my life. And and mm. I wasn't. I don't think I was watching a lot of TV and that had more to do I had completely upended my career that year and it oh, okay. had more to do with what was happening in my life than anything else. But obviously nothing was keeping me from going to actually see a Trek movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> and can I also say it was one of the, maybe the first trailers I ever watched online. It was such a cool thing. Cause it was like, Oh, we got mm. high speed internet. Let's download this. Yeah, Let's yeah. watch it in such a small little box. And it was, and you're right, Brian, the, they hyped it up. It was like, they would take out dialogue like we are truly saying sailing into the unknown. And mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, what a cool line. This is gonna mm-hmm. be epic. And then it, was it wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was well, he that, says you know, it, I but it's not oh really. Yeah, but it's not a very cool like it's an okay scene. Yeah. But it's not like as riveting as they made it out to be. Sure. Okay. And again, pre you know, those trailers are supposed to they're hype machines for the film. They're to try to get you hooked to get there to oh, see yeah. it. Yeah. But I had forgotten about I remember having a excuse me, a CD ROM that had the trailer of this film mm. and some other Star Trek content and just being like, Oh wow, this is amazing technology, a CD ROM, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know. Amazing, but anyways. And now I, I wish I had watched the trailers in preparation for this episode, not just watched the actual <laughs> movie. Yeah, you might have been ha- satisfied with just the trailer, and that's it. Um, <laughs> for me, I remember seeing it at the theater and not being too impressed. At the time, I was enjoying Enterprise so much, yeah. so much that another TNG film was not really anticipated. And plus, after watching Insurrection... I was tired of TNG and still felt that first contact was truly a true two, you know, a hard, hard act to follow compared mm-hmm. to those next two films. And mm-hmm. another question that's always come up about Troy crashing the E is from this film, correct? No, it's mm-hmm. it. Well, I guess is if it? it's the E, but what people do you mean always the question. Well, no, I've heard D. She... It was D. Yeah. It was in oh, generations. Oh, that's yeah. okay. The and D. It wasn't All her right. Fault. Okay, oh. well, that no, it's fine because I'm going. If it meant this one, she, <laughs> no, she was following orders from Picard to 
crash the E into the the um the other craft. So <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing about the film, which again, nitpicky pick pick, but the prime directive, it states that you're not allowed to have pre-warp warp societies come in contact with current your technology. So when they land on the planet to find B4, <laughs> they expose this society to everything that is of their abilities or technology. So really, they kind of violated the prime directive pretty they heavily. They basically in that just said, we need an action theme with this yeah. cool little yeah. car we're going to make on a mm -hmm. desert planet. And yeah, so, anyway, yeah, so they can fly it in a ship. Good. All right. Just, so, yes, that's a good start. Okay. Where we were, what we were doing back oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. 2000. It was in grade six, too. Adina pointed out two freaking decades ago. Yeah, uh, more than. Let's... More than. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's put it this way. It's been so long, it's, it can vote at, tw you know, it, it can buy alcohol at 21. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with the positive things in this film. Let's choose to focus on the positive, okay? Yeah, okay. okay. What are some of the things about this film you like and even remember liking as you rewatched it recently? Uh, what are some of its charms? And uh, let's start with Steve this time. I, I, I'm going to say when Worf goes, not Irving Berlin, as, da <laughs> as Dana saying, uh, this was uh, that was the charming part of the film. The whole I think the whole uh, even the whole though whatever wedding sequence, the wedding sequence was yeah. really the charm of the film. Yeah. Then the movie takes a complete, you know, I'm trying to remember, was the destruction or the killing of all the um Romulan centers that happens prior to the wedding, correct? Correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you've got this dark opening of you know mass murder, and then you got oh, this charming moment where it's the the wedding, and then it goes from there. So it was kind of an interesting juxtaposing what's going on, but uh, that 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 was I just I just love Worf. He's like. <laughs> That's all you guys got. Is that all you guys got? Well, oh, no, I've, got, no, I've, got there, there, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of stuff that I love. Okay, about. go ahead. At least one other. Okay. Which go, is go the, the ending scene with where Picard is talking to before. Oh, yeah. That was cute. Although I was completely, at least when I first watched it, I was completely and utterly distraught that they killed my favorite character mm -hmm. from Next Generation. The fact mm -hmm. that they killed Data, like, uh, and that that's the other thing I remember from when I saw yeah. it way back when yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. Right. And that was my favorite character. And for whatever reason, you know, I understand sometimes they why they do this and then maybe mm -hmm. the actor wants to move on. I, I, I get why they do these things, but they still did it. They still killed my favorite character <laughs> and that hurt. But on the rewatch, obviously, I, I'm now amply prepared and I can look at it and appreciate other things like you know, that ending scene with B4. Yeah, and you're right. That is very charming when he's just starting to sing and mm -hmm. you're going, oh, he is there in him. He's he's processing, you know, yeah, all the things yeah. that got transferred. He's starting mm -hmm. to process them a mm -hmm. little bit. And it is almost like, if you think about like a real kid that has to grow up and process. And mm -hmm. we know that Data had that kind of a background too, where he moved mm -hmm. from, he wasn't sentient into mm -hmm. sentience. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to kind of see that. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting and nice. 
and I agree all, all about all the scenes with before are very charming. He's sweet. Mm-hmm. He's quiet. His, the voice that they chose for him was mm-hmm. much more childlike and it had, it had something to it. So you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Chris, how about you? Man? Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that you've already said, love the wedding. Absolutely love the way data sings. Um, but one of the things about that movie, and it still hits me to this day, is there something about it where if you watch Insurrection, you watch First Contact, like First Contact, obviously, obviously amazing, but there's something about Nemesis that feels more modern. Like a lot of movies I hmm. watch, like Mission Impossible, when you get to 2006 and you get to Mission Impossible 3, that becomes super modern and like film has changed. But something about Nemesis, even though it's a few years before, feels very modern it's like the the music is a little bit different i like the set design and the way the l cars feel a bit more futuristic so there is an overall design that i liked and like of the movie like a look in the in the feel of it felt more modern um i like a lot of the action stuff we'll get into my criticisms of the action stuff in a bit but i thought a lot of that stuff is cool um i mean the enterprise beaming a ship another ship Come on, that that's got to be cool, right? This war flock on transporters, then they beam up the shuttle, and I'm like, "What? Oh, we've never seen that before." Uh, Captain Janeway's a, a cameo. I like mm-hmm. their little mm-hmm. their yes. banter back and forth. Yes, uh, I really would like to, if I could find a way of doing it, I would like to build something in my desk that would allow my monitor to come up out of the desk, right. Captain right. Picard style. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot that I like about the movie. I feel mm-hmm. like it's what I call an aspect movie. There's a lot of aspects I like, mm. even though I don't love it, even though I still watch it all the time. Okay. I still like, even though I don't love it, I still enjoy it a lot. Okay. So okay. I'm going to add, I'm going to add one more to that. Cause you yeah. did mention the, you know, with the clone, the scene where he's talking to Picard initially, like where it's the one-on-one and he's asking questions and they're talking kind of like about oh. their background and everything. That's very interesting. And this oh, is actually dinner, yeah. one. Yeah. That like over dinner, like that, that I found a really good interaction and we'll, I'll, I have way more thoughts about the whole clone thing. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to, I know okay, you got questions yeah. later on clones. Right. So, so I feel kind of weird and strange tonight guys, because I hated the wedding scene. Really? Okay. Wow. I thought it was so contrived and cheesy. It's I it, the, the, the characters the didn't sound like the, themselves to me. The scene or the act of them getting married. The whole scene itself. I, it's fine weird. they got married. I don't okay. care about that. Okay, totally totally well, they, 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 you had a problem with that. We'd have a problem. And and <laughs> the best part of that scene for me is actually when picard is giving his speech and he gets i hated the co- comedy i it just it just didn't sound like picard's voice to me mm. and even the other characters in that scene for me just looked kind of stiff and it just didn't feel good for mm. me in in you know the scenery was fine all that stuff uh yeah costumes were great I just don't think they got good dialogue in that opening in that wedding scene, and it was it was touching when Picard actually started getting serious in his toast mm-hmm. to Riker and Deanna. Um, Riker, you. you know, Jonathan Frakes mm-hmm. and Marina Sirtis did a great job of responding to him and getting teary eyed. Uh, but I just that to me, they could have cut that whole scene out, and it wouldn't have made a bit of difference to the story in the film. They 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 could have taken that all the way out. 
and it wouldn't it wouldn't have declined you know the film's impact or anything like that so for well, me i've got to differ with you guys on that okay well did you think that maybe they were if there was going to be another tng episode movie where you're on the titan and you've got right. riker now he's married now you have another whole so why that's why they married them finally because you could carry that into the next thing but then we had to wait all the way till uh till Star Trek Picard to see them as a married right. couple. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because well, the film totally flopped yeah. at the box office. But I just, I still think even even if they had done another film and maybe focused on the Titan, it, that wedding scene could take it totally out, and okay. so, it wouldn't have impacted the film. I I agree that, and that's the, not. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I agree that yes, that scene could have been cut and doesn't actually impact the film. That scene's clearly kind of there because these people feel like our family and what, you're not going to invite your family to your wedding. So, yeah, uh, you know, it, right. it's mm -hmm. clearly there as kind of candy. I, I do agree that some of the attempt at humor is a little over the top. I actually didn't care for the Irving Berlin line because <laughs> oh, to me that, made, that didn't, well, because it didn't make a lot of sense because I'm thinking a couple hundred years in the future, the likelihood that this dude, even though he grew up on Earth, but because of his obsession with Klingon culture, really he's going to know that at that point, very pretty, probably obscure reference. What? So I that one, I, I had a hard time with some of the humor. Not all, that some one of it made, was cute. See, that one makes sense because he comments, I, I'm trying to think of the episode, but there's some episode with Alexander and he makes some comments about having to listen to Irving Berlin. Really? Did he? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I remember Riker introducing him. Or I'm going to go some... find because I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember I, that. I'm not making that up, but I seem to remember him mentioning that being like, oh, that's like a nemesis when he mentioned Irving Berlin. Okay. If that, well, then if that's true, then I take it back because then there would be potentially a reason because, yes, it mm -hmm. is possible his parents could have. You know, inflicted this upon him, um, and then yes, that, then that would be inflicted. Sense. Irving what? Berlin, police. Well, oh from my his goodness. point of view, he obviously <laughs> okay, okay, didn't okay. enjoy it. I didn't say yes. whether I enjoyed it. Okay, I'm just putting okay, myself okay. empathizing <laughs> with, with Morgan. Wow, yeah. all the Irving Berlin hating going on. I did. Oh, really I Nelson Marilyn tonight. Uh, but <laughs> I do. I did Over. enjoy. I do enjoy Over. Brent Spiner's oh. singing it. That that's. That was that's fun. That's fun. I did too. Yeah. I liked his. He's got a great voice. Sing more. And I, that part, you know, that part of the humor, I, I, you know, data getting up there and saying, "Look, I researched the culture, and this is what I'm doing." That made perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like so, some it was kind of that all that humor in that scene. It was a little hit or miss. Overall, I think it was. You know, I was still happy because again, you invite your family to the wedding. I got invited to the wedding. I'm very happy. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I wanted it so much. It's just like, all right, you guys have been flirting with each other for way too long. Riker, you've taken a long time to propose. Let's see it. Let's actually have a wedding. So mm -hmm. I loved it, even though it can be a little that's cringy. Cool. Okay, that's cool. I, that's Let's fine. fight about this that's wedding okay. for the rest of the, for okay the next that hour. I don't like it at all. It There's always a fight at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> There's <laughs> always got to be a fight at the wedding. So. Anyway. Who invited Uncle George? That's we right. Don't no! Don't <laughs> let him do the speech. Oh no, he's going to oh. bring up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. So so okay. charms of the film. Because I got real negative there. I'm sorry. I wanted to start positive, and I haven't said a single positive thing about this film. I think that Chris is nailed it right on the head. This film does seem a little more modern looking and feeling than the other three TNG films. It's not that the other three look bad in any way. 
This one really does have more of an edge to it as far as its look and feel. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that may be, you know, the difference in cinematography and yeah. lighting and set design and all that. Um, I think probably had something to play with, do with that. But uh, I got to say, for me, the biggest charm of this film, you guys ready for this? Jerry Goldsmith's score. Yes. The music. There's, there's, I had guessed that. There are moments where the music is just so perfect for what's going on that it's just dynamite, in my opinion. Now he does play Goldsmith plays with a lot of the same theme in these Trek films, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it works and it continues to work. And he's got some new stuff in this one uh, from the other ones, variants on different melodies and harmonies and lines and ins and outs of scenes. So uh, I was captivated by the music. I think this is another Trek film, not quite on the level of Star Trek five, the final frontier where Goldsmith's, Music and even with the motion picture, without Goldsmith's fantastic music in the motion picture, that film is totally unwatchable. If I can't imagine without beautiful music um, accompanying it, so same thing for Final Frontier. His music elevated that film, mm-hmm. and I think for this film, his score elevates Nemesis too. So, okay. so Very good. That's how, how do you feel about the opening credits? Because there's like a noise, and I don't even know how you describe it, but there's like a noise that you yeah. hear before it gets into the theme, and I love it. Like that Goldsmith, theme Goldsmith, seems so intense. Goldsmith uh, did a revolutionary soundtrack to a little film called The Planet of the Apes, which had a ton of percussive, otherworldly sounding type instruments. Hmm. Um, uh, Goldsmith also uses synthesizers, unlike yes. okay. just superbly well uh, in in these major motion pictures. And, and synthesize, any type of synthesized sounds, um, you know, unless you're going for like a film like Tron, um, or films from the eighties or, you know, something like that, where you want that synthesized stuff that was so popular. Uh, he's, he's just a master of it. And so what you're hearing in that opening part is percussive things, but also synthesized sounds mixed mm. in with the beautiful orchestra, uh, that is just his style and his unique way of doing it. So I, I loved it. I think, I think that elevated, uh, many scenes in this film and I'm, I, I'm, I wish he was still alive to produce a mm-hmm. few more films. Like I'll say, so two things about the music. One, I think, well, actually one, I love that at the very end of the movie, when you're seeing the enterprise being uh, repaired, mm-hmm. it calls back to the motion picture mm-hmm. music uh, quite a bit. And then yes, uh, the, my favorite piece of music is um, right after the wedding. And it cuts to the Enterprise, and it slowly passes, pans across da, da, the screen. Da, 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 and that music is so good. I love it. I get yeah, chills so every good. time I watch it. I bet grandma yep. watched that scene <laughs> way too many times. I've never forced my grandma to watch Star Trek with me. Oh, she's watched so. way too much with me. Oh, Don't that's watch the film. Man. Enjoy the soundtrack, folks. That's, yeah. a, that's fantastic, Chris. All right, so moving right along here to question number three. I'm going to make a statement mm-hmm. and then okay, ask the question. Okay. This <laughs> film was unsuccessful critically and financially, which signaled the end of the next generation era of films, unfortunately. 
Here's the question. What happened or didn't happen to make this the case? Why, oh, why did this film flop at the box office and therefore in the hearts of many Trek fans? They surprisingly killed a favorite character. Yes. <laughs> Although they well, did that You could have said that about, you, you said well, that about, about Wrath of Khan. They killed off I, I a think, beloved character. But they wouldn't I, I have known that going in. Right, yeah. so that would that shouldn't affect the box office numbers because you wouldn't know. Well, and, I mean, word gets out after you know that first okay. opening weekend. So word go does first. get out. Okay, okay go, go, go ahead, go okay. ahead, Brian. Since you guys, so you're the, lead. the thing that I think is, first of all, there was other things at play even before they started making this film. I think people were becoming burnout on Trek. Yes, That's I think we had gone so. through a golden age where it was the next generation in Deep Space Nine and the Deep Space Nine in Voyager. And then you bring Enterprise and they tick a lot of people off because they don't even put Star Trek in the title originally. It was just oh, Enterprise. Oh, yeah, that's still going mm-hmm. on. Right. It's and then, you, you know, the theme song, which I loved the theme song to Enterprise. Oh, me too. Anyways, I will defend it until the day that I die. They, <laughs> right, me too, bro. And so I think I think we were in an era where people, Star Trek fans were going, do we need another film? Do we need... Well, now, now I'm I'm gonna say that yes, that, we always that was do. not me. <laughs> I was not in that boat. Um, but I think this was uh, Nemesis. I remember reading about it because at the time I was a member of the official Star Trek fan club, getting the Communicator magazine whenever they put those out, and reading everything online I could about it. Excuse me. Um, this was a film they wanted to be kind of that bridge, that gap bridger thing to bring in new fans that weren't Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They brought in a new director, Stuart Baird, who was a phenomenal editor. And I think he'd won Academy Awards. I said this at the beginning of the show, but, um, you know, they wanted a different spin on it. Mm-hmm. They felt like Star Trek needed a fresh new look. I think that's one reason why it does look different. Chris is, is that was intentional. And unfor and they brought in uh look up who's who's the oh. guy who who wrote the wrote the uh, I think it was John Logan. John Logan wrote the Gladiator, I think had a part in writing a beautiful mind too. And mm-hmm. this guy has won Academy Awards. Um and I mm-hmm. think it was just a script that was it had intriguing dialogue. I some of the scenes between Picard and Shinzon were mm-hmm. really interesting. Yes. The problem was there was about three too many of them. There was about, I want to say four maybe, scenes of just Picard and Shinzon going back and forth. And the mm-hmm. dialogue was fantastic. The acting was superb. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hardy, I think, did a phenomenal job with this role. Yep. Stewart played off him beautifully. I, it was intriguing, but there were just too many scenes of them going back and forth talking about their dilemma and why, you know, what was behind all their actions. We needed more action in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was kind of just this, it, it, every scene except for the wedding scene that had any heart to it also got deleted. If you watch the special edition of this film, um, that's kind of what the actors say too, mm, is that all the film, uh, People, next gen fans complained about the film saying it just didn't have the heart of even yeah. insurrection mm-hmm. or even generations, you know, first contact being, of course, the most popular one of the series. But 
And they said, well, it was because Stewart was directing it and he took out all that stuff because he felt like it was too long or lengthy or whatever. You know, he wanted to get right to the action. He kept saying in the special features, we need to get to the action, you know. Um, there was and so that was the attempt. That kind of action. There See? was a lot, plenty of action. And it was a little yeah, almost like See? it was gratuitous. See, it was action was gonna... for action oh, sake, not action for moving the plot forward. Like that's Agreed. how I felt. Like so like near the end, like if we're talking about the third act, like in theory, that's a really cool battle. There's elements I like to the of the battle, mm-hmm. but it's like there's almost too much of it for me. Where I felt like if you get like Wrath of Khan, you have a really like the last, the Matar Nebula battle is so great, mm-hmm. but it's so short. When you look at how short the movie is, it's like whoa, that's amazing. But I just felt like that went on for so long to the point where you're like okay, there's like three, there's almost three acts within that final battle. Mm. Um, and there was a bit too much for me. Yeah, so and, it's you know, interesting I, that the action that you're saying there wasn't enough action. So I felt like there was too much, but it maybe wasn't spread no, out wasn't, pop- properly. There wasn't enough plot-driven action. Yeah, there was right. action for the sake of action, which I would say then, yes, this is kind of like a, a film for Star Wars fans. Because mm-hmm. that there's in yeah. Star Wars, especially in the modern Star Wars films, in, or especially actually I, episodes yeah. one, two, three, there's a lot of action for the sake of action without mm-hmm. actually moving the plot mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but, I yeah. love the Argo. I love yeah, that Argo cool. car they made. That's cool, but gratuitous again. Again, you could have taken that out. Yeah, and it wouldn't have. Yep. You know, it just would have moved the film along a little faster. Yeah. And it was cool. I love the Argo jumping off the cliff into yeah. the into the shuttle and in the look Picard and Brent. That was very charming, in my mm-hmm. opinion. That was good. The remote control. Them thing? looking at each other like what in the hook? Yeah, the yeah. remote. You know, stupid but fun. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but again, you could have taken it totally out of the film, and it would yeah. not have affected yeah. the plot. Or I, I got to say, Brian, you you hit it right on the head, and that is burnout. Because, you know, after First Contact, which was a success, the next Mm -hmm. film was pretty bad. And this one wasn't much better. But after four TNG films and them, the other two not being First Contact, it was kind of destined for failure. And I don't think there is any type of cult following for this that could lift it up. There's no like, oh, yeah, we're going to go back and watch it. Oh, yeah, you know, really, this is more. I re- It's better than I remember it being when I first saw it. And you're right also about the fact that Enterprise was going at the very same time. And what did the net, what did the Paramount want to do? Did they want to promote you know, twenty-year-old character or fifteen-year-old characters, or did they want to promote the new characters on Enterprise? Um, so I think that yeah, it's it just wasn't. It was done. They were done. Oh, I was gonna say if they had a better script, though, it would not necessarily have been done. <laughs> because sorry, Chris, I was so excited because John Logan Gladiator is one of my all-time favorite films. Uh and you can you can kind of see the gladder gladiator gladiator had some scenes where it was back and forth between two characters just great dialogue and you could see that in in a few of the scenes but i really you know again in the reviews and all the special edition stuff they were talking about trying to do new things i feel like they just pulled from old things like i would have rather it been lore hmm than yeah. a b4 mm-hmm. yeah that you know they could have really done something with that it would have been more fun than that and uh 
you know, it would have been interesting. Maybe B4 yeah. is the one who sacri- or, or Lore is the one in a final act of decency sacrifices himself for the sake, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, but also just the whole clone thing. Yeah, like, I have issues with that, which I guess we'll get into. But the we'll thing into is, the next that, uh, section, yeah. I remember yeah. being like watching behind the scenes is that the director, he was not a Star Trek fan, didn't watch the shows. And I think I remember even Marina Sirtis saying in the inter- one of her interviews that there wasn't even any like discussion. Like you couldn't go up to him and say, hey, but in the show, we did this thing or we never did that thing. Mm-hmm. And so there was none of it. So it was just like you're trying so hard to be different that you're not understanding what it is. You yeah. contrast that with Picard yeah. season yeah. three, where it's like, OK, this is. Like, yeah, this is just, someone who gets the mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. I don't understand you, how they hi- not hire, even at that time, I don't understand how they could not hire. Like, being a Star Trek fan, I feel like it has to be a requirement for the job to write, produce, direct any of this. If you're getting hired for any of those jobs, you have to come in it as a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Which, I, I think Abrams, today, I think it seems like job. today that is kind of, right. you know, the direction they're going today. But even 20 years ago, I feel like they should have known yeah, enough. Yeah. That that's some of the magic. Well, well Chris, what you said yeah. just about JJ, it wasn't so much that he was a fan of Star Trek. He was a Star Wars fan. Well, he wasn't but a all fan, the people that think... worked with him were all Star Trek fans, Kurtzman and so on. They all lived yeah. and breathed Star Trek. So that was pretty good. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, what you just said. I agree. Yeah, that was a huge issue. Mm-hmm. But then again, Nicholas Meyer, when he did um Rathacon, he went back and watched all of the original series yeah. so he could get an idea of what the characters were like, who they were, sure. and then come up with a script that was of picking out one of the best episodes to revisit. So, yeah. Makes all the difference in the world. And I think that was, I think us Star Trek fans, especially TNG fans, could see right through it. We could see right through it that this was made yeah, was by somebody usually. who didn't know these characters, even though it had a great writer who was a big Star Trek mm-hmm. fan. Uh, it just it wasn't that original of any of the ideas, and it just weren't mm-hmm. that original, which is what I remember watching in the in the extra online stuff from mm-hmm. the website. You know, it was yeah. it was this was new and new stuff happening, and Washington went. That's not this just no, this isn't new. This is rehashed stuff, which was disappointing. Mm-hmm. So uh mm-hmm. the film was really a breakout role mm-hmm. for Tom Hardy. We've mentioned that Tom Hardy before mm-hmm. as he played Shinzon, the Riemann leader, and Picard clone. Dun dun dun. It also featured the famous mm-hmm. Ron Perlman as the Riemann Viceroy. And uh, not to I mention to. a I'd surprise guest role by Kate mm-hmm. Mulgrew as Admiral yeah. Janeway, something I'd totally yep. forgotten about until I <laughs> did my own rewatch here. Um, the next gender, yeah, it was, I remember going, oh, wow, I for, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Then TNG films tended to have some pretty strong guest stars. Malcolm McDowell uh, for Generations, uh, just to name one. What worked or didn't mm-hmm. work with these mm-hmm characters uh and not necessarily i think i think the guest actors did a fine job across the board here but maybe what what worked or didn't work for you guys as far as the guest 
you know, these these mm-hmm. alien roles or whatever. You know, he, Tom did a great job playing this character. He's adorable. I mean, he's a, a little mini version of what he is now. You know, he's a little more beefed up and tougher looking guy. But he he did a really good job and I liked it. But, you know, and and even Elaine, my sweetheart wife, could tell that it was Ron Perlman even behind all that makeup. She knew it was him right away without even guessing. But was very interesting again having Kate in the role as Admiral Janeway, it was almost like if we're going to come up with the next serious films in their Voyager base. Oh, I would love that. We have established that she exists in the TNG world. We can do the transition to it, but of course, that never happened. They decided to go with JJ. Oh well. <laughs> years later, yes, though. Years years later. I mean, this yeah. film was such a dismal failure. <laughs> they, they, there's no way they could have they, ever. They, they had to go like any executive to pour money into a next, another seven film. years. A little, you know, we have to wait between those moments for Vulcans. Yeah, well, <laughs> and we had to wait for JJ to. Uh, well, no, he did. He did Star Trek before Star Wars, didn't he? Yeah, yes, he, he did. did. That is correct. Star Wars. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Never mind then. What I was about to say. Just that's okay. Reverse. Go back. Yeah. So yeah, it's Tom Hardy's the 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 is interesting because I think he does a really good job in the role. Mm-hmm. I think his acting for the most part is phenomenal. I will stand by the fact that I think if you look a lot of what he does, he does like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. is I find to be a slightly better version of Shinzon. But the, the but oh, where I have the issue, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have had this, is like I don't buy that he's a clone of Picard. Like if they had like that's that's where I, you know, okay, that's not Picard though. Like that's not a clone of the of the character, because he looks so different. And yes, mm-hmm. he's younger. Mm-hmm. Oh, they do have the one picture of Tom in uniform representing what Picard was when he was in Academy. So they kind of <laughs> yeah. like snuck that in there. They saying, yeah, See, that's look, that's they're clever. the same guy. And it's one mm-hmm. of those things where it's hard. But I, re- I I don't know if this is true. But I think they were looking at having Patrick Stewart play evil version. But they did. Someone said no. We don't want him to do that because he looks too ridiculous in the uh, Shinzon outfit. But you know that's a good. I don't point. know if that's true, but I I remember I remember that being in the commentary or the behind the scenes. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's where I I find okay. It's I I don't know. I I'm actually you know thinking about that and and I thought about that afterwards, which was it actually would have played better if. Shinza was Picard at the same age. Yeah. So they just... could quickly install him. And that you gave Patrick Stewart a chance to play two roles at the same time. Evil Picard or the Romulan and Picard himself, the good guy. And that would have been kind of interesting as opposed mm-hmm. to having two versions of, you know, Brett doing right. and by and the so way, on. yeah. By the way, talking like I was just in my head going. Oh, but that that makes filming a whole lot more difficult for, you know, if you've got two Patrick Stewart's on screen at the same time, you know, but there's that fabulous shot where they start on one side of Brent Spiner and it's obviously a double on the other side of him where you just see the back of his oh, head because yeah, Brent try. and B4 are sitting back to back, but the camera, <laughs> I keep hitting my microphone, the camera pans over top of them in a smooth motion and on the other side, it's still Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's clearly however they did that was beautiful. I remember just watching that again this time going, 
oh, wow, what a shot that just was. And in Star Trek, they have done a lot of work where the actor is playing two roles, multiple roles in the same scene. Mm -hmm. They've done Mm -hmm. this in so many like times and places. So I feel like that's not an excuse. They they know how to do this. And they were obviously yeah. doing it in this film too. So yeah. and I, I think I would have liked that also having Patrick Stewart play two roles. Yeah, Although, I think I'll, that would have been great. I've, I'll say yeah. kind of a blanket statement. I have absolutely zero critiques of anyone's performance in their roles in any of the films. I feel mm-hmm. like whatever critiques I have of the the, the script, the plot, whatever Every single actor and actress brought it. Mm-hmm. Like there's not yeah. there's yeah. not a Without single a one doubt. that I can look at and be like, you know, you could have done better. No, I think they all and I'm not saying this because we talked to a lot of them. It it really mm-hmm. is. I really believe it. They're they're fantastic and they're doing an amazing job with mm-hmm. what they're given to work with. And mm-hmm. and another part of this film that I had forgotten, Marina Sirtis's acting after she is raped by Shinzo. Oh yeah. Mentally, really? that was dark. How she is, res- yeah, very dark, mm-hmm. especially for the time for next generation. Yeah. That was yeah. the darkest next gen ever got. Um, but her emotional response when she's trying to find, um, the, the name of the ship I can't remember uh, the scimitar, yeah, the scimitar, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Uh, and she's shaking in under the memory of the invasion that she experienced with Shinzon mm-hmm. and even in the Viceroy too. Um, that was some of Marina Sirtis' yeah. finest moments yeah. of acting. It was, you believed. Oh yeah. You believe she had, she had been violated. Absolutely. Yeah. And, actually, and while say, she did. Oh, go for it. Go. I was going to say there actually is one darker episode than this. And I can't think of the name, but it's with these telepathic aliens who, uh, help probe people's memories, mm-hmm. and it's there's there, the, the sun yeah. that does that. Yeah, yeah, yes. So there's like I like that one is one I actually don't go back to as much. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's like, but you're right though. For <laughs> you're right though that it is like for TNG, it's like that's incredibly dark. Mm-hmm. And again, yes, Marina Sirtis did amazing. But mm-hmm. that's also that whole concept and in terms of how that fit in with the uber complicated plot of what's going on, I was like, I, you know, I, that also could have been like, why is this here? Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many like threads that like only loosely came together. Mm -hmm. And like my issue too, is like when she locks on and they, when they figure out his position, that should be the thing that saves the, that destroys him. Like to me, if like you're going to build that up, Mm-hmm. Have that be the thing that saves the day, but then meanwhile it does like very minimal damage, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, right. well so we still got like, like another like half hour, like... half hour more of yeah, we gotta we gotta shoot him. Mm-hmm. Well, what did what did you guys? We talked, we've kind of gone here and said, oh, we're coming here eventually. But what do you guys think about the idea of a Picard clone and even B four? Can I go first? Go ahead. Yeah, do yeah it. sure. Go ahead. So You're ready. To on go. the rewatch of this. I realized that this was some of my favorite things about this movie. Okay. And, but forget that it's a Star Trek movie, just the exploration into what a clone is. Now also note that I was rewatching this at the same time. I'm watching the foundation series. And one of the Mm, aspects of the foundation series is having this, you know, the, the clone empire, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have an empire that is a clone of himself going down generations and generations. So I've had that on my brain. So when I was rewatching it and, you know, 
is the clone like is it it's not picard it's another living being but yet maybe it is picard you know like and having that conversation and that exploration i now think that is to me the highlight of this film is going there yeah. and having that whole like discussion there and again mm -hmm. i don't think they yeah, those came up with an answer which you're not necessarily supposed to come up with an answer but to have the exploration of that discussion and i thought that was for me the highlight of the whole yeah. film for for me too the dialogue between picard and shinston in particular around that mm -hmm. That happened several times. Mm -hmm. throughout the well, film. yeah, it happened several times, uh, right? Was, Execution was not great, but just the whole yeah. fact yeah. that that is a, a massive exploration into a really interesting topic. What is mm -hmm. a clone? Yeah. Well, that's that's a good point because you know he they get into a discussion where Shinzon says, You could be me if you experienced the life I had. And then Picard says, Yeah, but you could have been me if you experienced the life I had. And that's always comes to the question about, you know, the clone story, which is you're cloning the genetic material of someone, but you don't clone their personality. It doesn't carry over. But you've seen that in other films, the boys from Brazil about creating mm -hmm. new little Hitlers through cloning or even similitude from Enterprise where you're oh, cloning yeah. a a, a trip and you're getting to watch this character go through in a, in a what 50 minutes, what it took to become a person and what ends up having to him. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I, I did, I, I know it just didn't, didn't really, I don't know. It just didn't work as him being his clone because it yeah. really didn't have the effect. Plus why did everyone follow this guy? I mean, if he was a dis, you know, discarded clone that everyone hated in the Romulan empire, how did he build the <laughs> spacecraft? How did he get all the Remans to to follow him? He's it, it just there wasn't enough backstory there. It was a little contrived. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And to be fair, I agree with all that. It's like I said, I have to take out that this is a Star Trek movie and just kind of put a bubble around the concept that they're having the philosophical discussion. Mm. Forget that yeah. it's Star Trek. And again, because there's so many things that, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But the fact that they're just having this interesting, they're bringing to the forefront of your mind this interesting philosophical dilemma. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. is a clone? That's interesting. Now, all the trappings add in a lot of, you know, like stuff that just doesn't hold together in the context of the Star Trek universe we know and love. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So to me, there's right. two separates. Like, do, do I like this clone of Picard? Not so much, but I, do I like the concept that they addressed the philosophy? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. See, I like the concept. I think I have the same issues with that Steve has, but I think where the film excels is like the stuff between data before and Jordy. Like that conversation he has with Jordy, yeah. I think is so effective where it to me handles it's a bit better when he's like, Well, would he be you or would he be someone else? Um, because you can see before mm -hmm. you can see the fact that he looks like him and um the whole thing around his abilities. I think that for me is more interesting. Uh, but I see what you're saying though. It's an interesting concept. It's just well, I wish the execution had been different. But yeah. the concept is there and the dialogue is very good. And again, like they're both very well acted. Um, Patrick and why can't I think of this? I don't call him Bane, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. both do a really good job. And, and you know, the, the thing about before or before, you know, like, okay, I get where they got the name because he came from, he was before him. All right, that's cute. 
um, was was fun that he got to play two different types of roles. But I have this question, and I understand that we had before at the end of the series, so that even though Data's dead, you have another version of him that they could have rebuilt again in another series of films and brought back the whole education and so on and so forth. But the fact that where did that where did B4 fit into Picard? Because uh, he still should have existed. He wasn't dead. He didn't just dis- wasn't destroyed. But here's but what here's my theory. Okay. They before was stupid. So they said we're just gonna ignore that ever happened. Oh, okay. It should have been lore <laughs> the whole time. And so that's why they brought lore back to Picard's. But they three. again so, remember B4's memories and all that still were part of you know, the new data uh, in Picard yeah, is a combination so. of lore and B4 and data. So B4 mm-hmm. exists in Picard. So it's so so the so the 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 data that's in season three of Picard, mm-hmm. that is gonna be you're saying that that was B4 in that position. It was when they kind of coalesced him into mm-hmm. one being, he's they they we're pretty explicit. I'm pretty sure pretty explicitly said that it's the memories of all of them. Okay. I think so. Yeah. So that fits in. Thank you. Thank you. That's I I appreciate that. But there's one other thing too, which is interesting. Like it was Canon at the time, but now it's not Canon. But before 2009 came out, there was a comic called countdown and it was like the, like the series of events that led to 2009. And in that lore becomes data. Or there's oh. like he becomes fully rebooted and is like our first officer. Oh, interesting. And he's working with Jordy on the uh, on the ship, the jellyfish ship that Spock has. Um, but I don't. Oh. That was oh, okay. considered to be canon at the time, but obviously that changed okay. when Picard came out. Okay, that's that's interesting. Okay. I hadn't heard that. So okay, I I don't have anything new to add to the okay. that discussion about the cloner before. So this film, oh god, wanted, yes, well, Adina, well, Adina, well, yes. To kind of continue on that whole clone thing again, I think that there's a mirror of that whole discussion of nature versus nurture because they address mm-hmm. it in a slightly different way. Yes, yeah, so now B four has Data's memories, but he is not Data. And there's that concept of, you know, I know Picard and Shinzon back had that back and forth, like, well, if you had experienced what I experienced, if you had experienced what I experienced, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. is entire. OK, yes, right now we cannot clone a human being like they did, you know, there. But even if we could and you can imagine that someday we could, it will still always be impossible for two people, two beings to ever have the same exact experiences. So, yeah. yes, before mm-hmm. got an infusion of data's memories, but he can never be data. Shinsan is not Picard. Picard could not be Shinsan. Like there's, and mm-hmm. to me, it's so funny that when we see in science fiction, people are like, oh, clones, clones bad. Clones don't have souls. Clones can't be whatever. And again, some of this is in, in foundation. I'm like, so what that it's the full genetic copy of someone? You know, I have, I have a kid who is, he's 50% my genes. Well, what if he's 60 or 70%, you know? Mm-hmm. of my genes. And what if we have through some magic of technology, yes, at some point instead of 50% my genes and 50% another humans, it's 100% my genes. It's still my kid. So it's mm-hmm. it's we've got we starting out with a, like it's really funny to me that this even bothers people. <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyway, I'm getting okay. off topic. That's okay. <laughs> say you were bringing into a personal. Uh, this is something uh, that's very yeah, I did. personal. I, I, 
I didn't, well, I didn't realize something... you guys would be so passionate about this. This is awesome. This this hey. concept in science fiction is something that really, like, I think whenever this guy come across it, I think, like, I have deep thoughts about this. Well, think, think, think of yes. it. Think of Mark and Scott Kelly. Mm-hmm. Scott was a year on the International Space Station. His mm-hmm. brother was a year on the Earth. Mm-hmm. They're the same genetic material, so they were having a chance to compare how mm-hmm. how that affected them and how space flight would affect someone. So yes. because they had a clone, they had a clone but to no, work with. But, but no, they were never clone. Because again, if you also no, no. look at well, they were they identical a- twins. You know, they're identical but they sh- twins, mm-hmm. but from the day they emerged from the womb, they did not have identical experiences in life. No, they're, you're absolutely right. You know, and that's the experiences are different, but genetically they're the same. So yes. you know, we can clone kind so of a what, weird and way right, of doing and it. And that's why it's yeah. like, why is it a big deal? Why do people freak out over it? Because we always portray them as evil. They're always mm-hmm. the evil side of people. So and, two things I wanted to say. One, this pertains to Brian specifically. One, <laughs> there's Thomas Riker and William Riker. Which I think mm-hmm. is a good exploration of two different yes. lives. The Love second that thing episode. that hit me today when looking at the thing and seeing Brian's name was that, oh my gosh. So, Brian, you have two people in your family that have middle names of Star Trek characters. You've got Thomas and you have Tiberius. That's kind of cool. That's all. You can well, move the on. Thomas was, was not intentional. Put there on his, yeah, that was I, before I that, was... that happened in Next Gen. Um, Tiberius, I do have a cool story, but I'll, maybe that'll be for another okay. episode. Why my son's middle name is Tiberius. Oh, I remember this one. Yeah, it is yeah. after James C. Kirsch. Yeah. But uh, anyways. Okay. Uh, I love the passion here, folks. Sure. I love sure. that we engage with this film this way. Uh, the, now the film, and we can just do this. Let's, let's move through this next question much faster. Sure. This film was hyped as an action movie and a political thriller. I remember that in the previews. Um, was it either of these or did it miss the mark for you? Miss. Yeah. Yeah, I think it missed. Big old miss. It's it's just yeah. an action film. Whatever political theater really had to do with what was going on in the Senate and Romulus, and that really did make that big a deal because he killed everybody. So there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, it's an action film. That's what it was from start to finish, except so- the wedding. I, I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta poke on that that early scene, the the first scene when they kill everyone in the Romulan said it. So that one senator, she's got this you know device. Mm-hmm. So we know that the Romulans are secretive and all these things. So you can imagine that they're getting a group of them in a room together like this. They have you know metal detectory kind of security things. So mm-hmm. how did she get this device in there? What was this device? Was it something ordinary? You know, or was it pretending to be an ordinary device? You know, she mm-hmm. just left this random device there. And you would think this, these are the most like, mm-hmm. sec- you know, security conscious, suspicious people. Was this a <laughs> yeah. normal device that like and, and the fact that we don't have that detail mm-hmm. irks me. It was her like, eyeliner kit. Could have know, been. No, sure it was one of those were... panic buttons you press, you know, look like one of those. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> don't believe in panic buttons. <laughs> but no, it's a good point. It's like, yeah, yeah. like Romulans are very yeah, secretive. They're super uh, like worried about security. Non-trustworthy. Yeah, not yeah, they so how did she sneak something uh, in? Yeah, I guess she's just that good. I guess we're supposed to yeah, assume. She just puts on the table, on the and they're table. all like, "Yeah, it's just sitting there, and all like, I don't. Oh, wait a minute, what's this thing opening up? Oh my goodness, oh, coming, coming out. Where did you know? go? Yeah. yeah, 
Get her back here. Send her to now, the again, if it was something back. that we could identify as a normal object, like a glass of water, you know, like a glass or something mm-hmm. like, you know, like if we could have identified it as yeah. a, a normal object, fine. But because we can't identify it, we don't know if it's normal for them or not. Right. And it has and, to open up like the thing for mm-hmm. them to be like, yeah. oh, what's that green stuff coming out? Yeah. And then the other thing is that he kills all these people off and there's like, there's no retaliation there's no like hey you just called killed off all the whole senate it's okay go ahead you can be and the what's leader the succession of the plan like i have a hard time yeah. believing that there's no succession plan yeah exactly so contrived can yeah, I, can it's I, so yeah. contrived go ahead can i give Chris. another slight rant for like two seconds oh go for <laughs> the Remans. go for remember five. how in ds9 we got to see the remans as foot soldiers in mm-hmm. the dominion war remember how they were there they weren't and that well, always bothers me. That's like, oh yeah, it's like, said, where are you going with this? Okay, no, they weren't. Here's the they thing. Weren't. Okay, and then it's like, oh no. yeah, the Remas were used as in, foot soldiers during the Dominion War. It's like, no, like, okay, I in, why include that line if like the I get that you when you made DS9, you wouldn't have known about the Remans, mm-hmm. so you could include that. But then why even go out of your way to say that? Why mm-hmm. not okay. just be, oh yeah, the Remans, they're a slave race, you know? And the yeah. funny thing is, that's fine. Yeah. I no forgot problem. all of. I forgot all also, about the Remans. I forgot all about the Remans until they did appear in a very distant scene in Enterprise. Yes. When they when they have the uh the Romulans there. There's like one moment you can see them in the background. Yeah, the, it. I think it's what's what's it called? United? I think yeah, it's I think like so. a really good three part series mm-hmm. uh, about the the, 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 the Romulan clone ship. Not the formation. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. the last thing I forgot to say that I liked. Mm-hmm. That big giant uh, monitor computer screen thing that they have going on in the briefing lounge, really cool. Where they replaced it, where the ships used to be. But I love that. I want one oh, of those. Okay, yeah, own. yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. I want one gotcha. for Christmas. And if, if anyone's listening, cool, no problem. Well, we'll send it one to you tomorrow. Oh, thank you. That's You're very welcome. nice. <laughs> well, hey guys, we've come to the end of our little program this evening. Um, I, I've just got one more question for mm-hmm. you. We've torn this movie to smithereens. We've shredded it apart. We've talked about what we like, what we don't like. Um, the issues we've had with it, the things we thought, you know, were passable, whatever. Has your impression or feeling for this film changed with your recent rewatch? And have you changed how you would rank this film today? Has it moved up or down on your list or has it stayed do you think he's it's it's right where it needs to be? Let, let's list. ask Adina first, since she gave it the highest rating in her original top thirteen. Mm, okay. That's right. Where do you okay. stand now, Adina? Well, we got to put this in context of remember we recently also rewatched Insurrection mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and talked about it. So I had Insurrection is eight and then Nemesis is nine. So my mm-hmm. new ranking is to flip those around. Okay. Because okay. after watching, thinking about the two of them, that whole, while they both had a lot of issues and they both had a lot of, you know, nice things, that issue or concept of the big philosophical discussion of cloning and nature versus, nur- nature versus nurture, for me, is interesting and important enough that I'm flipping them, that Nemesis, you know, is slightly above insurrection because insurrection... Okay didn't have that kind of draw for me and that big philosophical thing. It had little philosophical things, not the big okay. one. But not even how many people does it take, Commander? No, yeah, Admiral, that to I me apologize. that was not that was that doesn't rise to the level of uh introspection 
Mm-hmm. And, and again, uh, right. It, there was too many scenes that, that were just one-on-one or whatever, but taking that all together to have that whole conversation and have that whole thing drawn out, I still mm-hmm. liked and thought, uh, you know, was worthwhile. Again, overall, if I yeah. was writing the script for this movie, this mm-hmm. would be like a thousand percent different script, but okay. I like those parts and that was enough mm. to just slightly edge it up okay okay mr steve um you know thank you for letting us watch it again because when i did the top 13 list i had not seen it for a long time so a lot of preconceived notions about it being number 12 and insurrection being number 11 i'm mm-hmm. of the dina mm-hmm. i not only would i flip them okay but i might even move it up a couple of notches up my list because it's actually a much better film than I recall. And I will say this, there was no insurrection insurrection, but there was definitely, (laughs) there was definitely a nemesis in nemesis. So in truth and advertising, yes, this (laughs) truly was, it lived up to its name. So I, I definitely will flip them just like you said, Adina, but I could even maybe move it up to the ninth spot. Because it is really a much better film than I recall. And so, yeah, it does take a, okay. a rewatch to reevaluate your opinions. Interesting. Mr. Christian Fox. I think for me, it still stays the same. I still have a lot of fondness for the movie. Uh, but the thing is, too, even though I rewatched it, I've rewatched this a lot. So there wasn't really anything new from this time. Um, I still enjoy it, but I still like if I had to pick this over. Like if it's between insurrection and nemesis, I'm probably going to pick insurrection. I find I enjoy okay. more things okay. than that. Um, but mm-hmm. like, what's funny is I'll still watch this a lot more than I'll watch Beyond. Like I don't. Oh yeah. Feel yeah. Yeah. Like I want to see Beyond again. Although I do, I'll stand by it. I love the opening of Beyond. Like the first 15 <laughs> minutes of that captain's log is beautiful. Um, but I will still pick nemesis. So I still enjoy it, but not my favorite okay. of those. So it's still like my second. Least favorite? That's how you'd phrase it. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's okay. a good way okay. to put okay. it. Just, I don't know a better way of phrasing. We're that. glad we have thirteen Star Trek yeah. films, right, yes. folks? I mean, yes. come on. Oh, and also, Riker got the only laugh I remember from the from the first showing, where he said, "Not very chatty." <laughs> so, Brian, <laughs> you gave it the death key. Where do you stand now? Yeah, this was, as I said at the beginning of the show, my least favorite of all the Trek films. I like that language, Chris. Thank you, sir. It remains the least favorite of all the Trek films. Uh, I I, I guess I have to say this. Did I rank it last? I think I did. did. I think you guys had beyond last. Okay. Okay. So uh, I, I, I think to be really, truly fair, though, I will admit that I probably need to watch Beyond again to double check to to see if i still pillar bees didn't like it as much yeah i I just i just i have to i have to double check but (sighs) this film i just again for the stated reasons i i don't like the wedding scene i I feel like there should have been more of the charm of the next gen characters that that was taken out of the film Mm -hmm. i think the story is contrived the acting the cinematography the effects are all wonderful the dialogue is wonderful for what it is but I just didn't find much originality in this film. It was intriguing in parts. It was better than I remembered, but it still remains 
my number 13 of the Trek films. And that's so, not a lucky number. No. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm I'd rather I'm I'd rather have 13 Trek films than just 12. Okay. If I'm being that's honest, fair. does that make sense? Yeah, that makes okay. absolute sense. That's good. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. <laughs> Let's go for 14 and 15 here. Woo-hoo. Let's make some good Trek films, all right? I mean, they're supposed to be Come Trek on, 4 we, or not Trek 4. I guess it's right? being called Trek 4, but like yeah, a, they're a, just for the moment on the Chris they're... Pine series. Yes. Does Nobody the section thirty-one? Does that, even though it's like a streaming-ish movie, does that will that count as a movie? I guess that you know, that's a, a good question. I guess yeah. that counts as a movie. Which I have feelings about the section thirty-one. I'm I'm curious about it. I like that yeah. Michelle Yeoh is mm-hmm. like the headliner of that. That gives mm-hmm. me hope because I think yeah. she's yes, you know, and I'm assuming it's her character. It's not some other character. It is no, yeah, Joe, uh, which is Jojo. Yeah, so. I'm optimistic. I'm yep. optimistic, Fingers but I just crossed. don't like Section 31 being as open as they are. But th- that's a different podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do a Section 31 podcast. I'm down. Just Chris. say after, that, that, movie comes, after yes, that movie comes yes. out. Yeah, it should be after yes. the movie. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. We'll have to do that. So, guys, thank you uh, for actually rewatching mm-hmm. Nemesis with me. You could have easily said, no, um, it sucks. I'm not no. watching it ever again. No, no, no. But no. you I always did. Hey, you and, watched Brazil. Uh, Thank you. So come on. We have to oh, do our you're part as well. So welcome. I'm finally you know, done. I watched Moonfall. with my sleep. I'm good. Me good, too. Chris. I was wondering about that. I, I was listening to part of that the other day and I was like, oh, I hope I hope the guy's getting some good sleep. Uh, it's much better now. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed listening to our crazy banner and thoughts yet again. If so, please do us a favor and like, share, write a review. My golden doodle is down with me right now. You guys can't see him on film, but he just put his head on my Mr. lap. Mr. Puppy Dog. And, and his name, by the way, is Data. Hey. Aww. There you go. I got a son with the middle name Tiberius and a golden doodle named Data. Love it. How did I pull that off, folks? I'm a lucky man. Yep. That's how. <laughs> Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to our crazy banner thoughts yet again. If you do us a favor, like, share, write a review if you can. Visit us at trekgeeks.com. There you go. And don't forget to head over to tpublic.com slash the big sci-fi podcast to order your big sci-fi swag. I promise you folks, you will feel good if you do that. You will not be disappointed and it'd help us out if you buy some things as well. We're looking forward to being at Trek Long Island here in May, <laughs> visiting many friends we met last year and some new friends. It's going to be a great time. So make sure you check out Trek Long Island too and get your tickets. They've got some, it's just going to be an amazing time. We can't wait to yeah. hang out together there again in person. Uh, and then stay positive guys make friends not war be a peacemaker and not a pot stirrer hey be an intentional encourager instead and do us a favor and listen to more of the big sci-fi podcast Thank you.